a guide to mental and emotional wellness, biblical wisdom, practical principles, clinical insight, by me, Dr. Jennifer Lundgren. Chapter 10, Closing and Final Thoughts. I hope this book will be a blessing to you. Here is a recap of what was discussed with further prompts for deeper reflection. God's blessings as you continue your wellness journey. Chapter 2, What is Self-Care and Why Does It Matter? Self-care is behavior people engage in to promote their good health and well-being. Self-care helps you nourish your body, mind, and faith. Self-care is not selfish and it is not rationalizing non-productive behavior. Engaging in self-care helps you support others more effectively and fully. It helps you serve God and others with your best self. What were your previous beliefs you held about self-care? How did this chapter change these beliefs? Why is self-care important to you? And what does God say about self-care? Chapter 3, Who Am I? The Role of Identity in Wellness Identity is a critical indicator of your behavior. Understanding your identity is important to clarifying who you are and who you want to become. God sees you in Christ's image, and this is the most beautiful and perfect identity you can have, God's own child. What identities did you develop as a child based on the feedback you received? What labels do you attach to yourself now? What are your core values? Why is understanding your core values important? What does alignment look like to you? Chapter 4 The Mind The mind and brain are separate entities, and our brains change based on our experiences. We think between 60,000 and 90,000 thoughts per day, and oftentimes our thoughts are not true. What we focus on shapes our experiences powerfully and God commands us to focus on excellent things. What is a pattern of focus that creates distress and suffering for you? How can you use this information in this chapter to shift your focus? What are things you can focus on that fit with the adjectives mentioned in Philippians 4.8? True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. How can you encourage those around you to think of things that fit under the categories mentioned in Philippians 4 verse 8? Chapter 5. Emotions Emotions have long been discounted in our society, but they serve as important information for us. They don't need to be fixed, suppressed, numbed, or discounted. It is important to view your emotions with curiosity, label them effectively, and share them with others. When others share their emotions with you, listening to them is a gift you can give them. You don't need to fix their experience or try to make it better. You can just believe them and reflect back what they are feeling. You can sit and cry with them. You know that God is a God of love and offers you the peace that surpasses all understanding. You know that you need not be anxious in anything and you can be slow to anger. 
you know that God is a God of hope and he will fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. What are common emotions that you feel? What messages have you received about your emotions in the past, from yourself or from others? What messages have you given others about their emotions? How do you feel when others tell you about their struggles? How do you respond? What are ways that you can foster more empathy? With whom can you share your emotions? How does the Bible help you understand emotions more fully? Chapter 6 Gratitude and Managing Expectations Gratitude is the most healing emotion. From an emotional standpoint, it is the foundation of empathy and joy. It is impossible to feel anger or anxiety and gratitude in your brain at the same time. Gratitude releases the neurotransmitter dopamine into your brain, which makes you want to continue to feel it. Gratitude is most effective when it is shared. The Bible tells us to give thanks in all circumstances to the Lord. Turning expectations into appreciation is a great way to reduce your frustration and resentment. Always expecting others, yourself, and the world to be exactly how you think they should be is a recipe for suffering. Focusing on what you have instead of what's missing is a great way to cultivate an attitude of appreciation. What did this chapter teach you about appreciation? What expectations do you have for yourself, others, or the world that create a pattern of frustration for you? How can you change your expectations into appreciation? And what are ways you can remember to give thanks to God in all circumstances? Chapter 7, Behavior and Habits Habits are the tiny behaviors we engage in every day. About 40% of our behaviors on a given day are habits. When you want to change a behavior, think about whom you want to become instead of the goal you want to accomplish. Focusing on the process of changing into the best person God has made you to be is more important than focusing on a single goal you can accomplish. It is helpful to go back to clarifying your values when you're thinking about the habits you'd like to develop. This will help you operate in alignment, which is when your inner values match your outer actions. You'll have an easier time developing good habits when you make them easy and obvious. You'll have an easier time breaking bad habits when you make them undesirable and hard. Make sure you develop a system instead of just goals. Systems help make the process sustainable. Also, be sure to start so small that you can't fail. If you fail, you started too big. Keep in mind that you want your habits and routines to be God-pleasing. God wants your behaviors to be self-controlled, upright, disciplined, and godly. You want your actions to show your faith and to do all things with love. What did the habits chapter make you think about? In which area of your life do you have the best habits? 
spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, or social, how can you continue to build off of these strengths? In which area of your life do you need the most improvement? Spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, and social. And how can your habits reflect Christ's love? Chapter 8. Perspective and Meaning-Making Your perspective shapes what things mean to you. You can create the meanings you give to your experiences. This is an important factor in resiliency and in a growth mindset. God tells you to rejoice in suffering and to know that His grace is sufficient for you. You know that you'll suffer in this life, but you can view these struggles as situations to rejoice over. Doing that is relieving and empowering. It's critical to use language that helps you remember that you're learning, growing, improving, and being shaped by the hard things in life. Struggles can be your greatest teachers, and they bring you back to your Heavenly Father. What is a hard situation that you've dealt with in your life? What did it teach you? How can you use it? How have you used it? How can this trial bring you closer to God? How can this trial help you grow? Chapter 9, Connection and Community Some of the biggest predictors of our health and happiness are our social relationships. We as humans are built to connect with others. We long to be in a tribe, and we thrive when we work together. Our tribes have disbanded before and after COVID, and it is critical that we bring them back. Building friendships and communities centered around a common faith in Christ is critical at an individual, familial, and community level. What are ways that you can develop new friendships? What are ways that you can deepen existing friendships? What are ways that your church can create a stronger sense of community? What's a fun way you would like to start connecting with others? Why does it matter if your relationships are strong? Why does it matter if your Christian community is strong? How does engaging in self-care help you better serve your community? If you'd like to purchase your copy of Jenna's book, just go to the Time of Grace store or click the link in today's episode notes. Thanks for listening.